Hello, HR professionals. Good news. This episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. Stay tuned to access your certification code. I think the mistake that people can make with work from anywhere, the big mistake is, oh, we're work from anywhere. We don't have offices anymore. Keep doing everything you've always done. That is not, you, you have to really realize you're in a different environment and you've got to adapt and be intentional about adapting. And if you do that, I think the opportunities are limitless. Welcome to The Great Retention, a show spotlighting leaders who've built award-winning cultures where people feel empowered, seen, and recognized. I'm John Duisberg, and on the show today, I sit down with the CEO of NetHealth, Josh Pickus. Josh has more than 20 years of entrepreneurial experience in the technology industry. I am really excited for you to listen into this conversation today because I've always been incredibly impressed by Josh's embodiment of servant leadership and the way that he genuinely cares for his people. In this episode, you'll hear him share some incredible insights about his overarching why, how NetHealth is building a remarkable culture around a work from anywhere model, and Josh's practical advice around how to continue to attract and retain top talent. I hope you walk away from this conversation as inspired to lead with the same heart as this incredible CEO, Josh Pickus. Enjoy. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to just chat with you. Um, I have a ton of respect for you as a, a CEO and a, and a leader of a company that's had uh, just a lot of growth over these last couple of years. And so just super excited to just jump in and, and really uh, just learn some insights and, and hear from you today. So thank you. And on that note, I just want to jump in with our first question. And really, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit about if you can just share with us, you know, tell us about NetHealth, tell us about the mission, you know, the why, right? But also for you as a CEO, as a leader, um, if you can kind of paint that picture for us, that would be, that would be awesome. You bet. So just on the basics, NetHealth is a healthcare software company. We provide software for providers in four medical specialties, therapy, wound care, home health and hospice, and occupational health. And we're a company of about 625 people spread out all across the country in a work from anywhere model. Now, in terms of our mission and our purpose and all of that, there's really two pieces to it. The original one, which is really the what, and a newer one that's a little bit about the how. The original one, as we stated, is reuniting caregivers with their calling. And the idea behind that is that nobody chooses to become a healthcare provider because they want to be the richest person in the world. They do it because they feel some kind of mission, some obligation to service, or something of that nature. And ideally, the software they use would make that easier. It would make them more able to fulfill their calling, because we really do think of healthcare as a calling. The problem is that if you've read any of the articles about EHRs, a lot of people hate them. 
they're painful. They stand in between the healthcare provider and achieving their purpose. So we're dedicated to trying to reunite those caregivers with their original reason for getting into healthcare and making the software something that helps rather than hurts. So that's been the core of it. And the sort of how piece of it has emerged more recently. We've added to that original one, harnessing data for human health. And that's really about how we reunite those caregivers with their calling, because what we're doing is taking the data that they put into the system and giving it back to them as insights into what treatment, for how long, all of that kind of stuff based on artificial intelligence, not to substitute for their own judgment, but to assist it and to enable them to deliver care more effectively. And for me, both of those missions really resonate because I got into healthcare software really when I was in between one CEO gig and another. And one of my parents was going through a hospice experience and I was so touched by the quality of care in that setting and how powerful a difference it could make that I really felt like I should take the limited skills I'd accumulated in the software business and apply them to something like that, that really was meaningful. So that mission really speaks to me in terms of what I want to achieve at this stage in my life. You know, a lot of people talk about the why, but I like how you broke down into a little more detail, the what and the how, and, and, and that makes it real. And so I, I like that. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, a lot of people talk about how, you know, you're solving something that you know personally, right? And so your your personal experience with your family and hospice care, your personal experience with technology and software, bringing those together, um, that's really powerful. Yeah, I appreciate you you sharing that. You bet. So I, I wanted to I wanted to hear also if we can dig in a little bit about just the growth that you've experienced at NetHealth. And I know that um, some of that growth has uh, been the result of, you know, mergers, acquisitions, you know, over the last few years. And I got to, you know, just got to think, hey, you know, that that can be great, but also can be challenging, right? Um, You're basically bringing in a new culture into your team, right? And so how do you, how do you, create one culture, one set of values, mission, right? And so if you can just share with us a little bit about your experience going through this growth, but also uh, the experience you've had on the M&A side, really be interested in learning from you on that too. Well, you're right. We have had a lot of growth and a good chunk of it has in fact come from acquiring other companies. We've done six transactions in the not too decent past. And so that is a lot of new folks coming into the company. And it is something we think about and try to be very intentional about. One of the funny things about acquiring companies is people spend a lot of time before they do the deal, trying to figure out whether it's the right deal and are they paying the right price. And it's almost like when you do the deal, all the fun is over. And in our perspective is really the opposite. The, the, the fun and the work really begins the day you complete the transaction and begin the integration of those people into the company. 
And when I think through what we've done that's helped, one thing is integrate people rapidly. We do not leave people in separate business units. We very rapidly move them into their new organizations. And that's always a little bumpy. There's no perfect way to do that, but you get over it quickly. And then people begin to acclimate not operating as a standalone unit. So that's one piece. A couple of other things that we've done is we look at every deal a little bit as what they call an aqua hire, where, yeah, you're buying a business, you're buying a revenue stream, et cetera, but you're also getting new talent. And we are very conscious of the power of taking new leaders and putting them into very significant roles. Like right now in our largest business unit, the uh, woman who runs product management came from a recent acquisition. When I look at all the stuff that we're doing with artificial intelligence and analytics, the two key people in that came from an acquisition. So we are not shy about taking people from acquisitions and giving them very significant responsibility and promoting that so that other people know you're definitely in the game. The last thing that I wanted to mention when I think about this question is that we do a practice of continuing to have calls after the deal, sometimes for quite a while, with the leadership team that remains for the acquired company. And those calls happen every first every two weeks, then maybe every month. And they cover everything from minutia, like my computer's not working, what do I do? To much bigger picture items, like my people are really struggling here. And we have found that that mechanism of giving them a private space with a leadership team that they're used to, where they can raise anything and they get immediate attention, really facilitates them in leading their people, all of whom are going through transition. And something that might have taken a month or six weeks to really get to the bottom of, you get to the bottom of right away. So we try to help them be more effective leaders by having that audience on a regular basis. And that's paid some really substantial dividends for us. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like the idea of moving people rapidly right into leadership roles, having them take ownership and 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 not just thinking about, you know, this new organization as the the technology or the market that, you know, the 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 business that they're bringing, but also the people. Right. And so, yeah, that's that's really interesting, Josh. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Another another area that um, I, I was really interested in digging into and this this, this might and, and this is going to be something that's on top of mind for, I'd say, most leaders today, just given the backdrop of the pandemic and, you know, what we've had to transition from a virtual work environment. But you've made that you and your leadership team made the decision to have a work from anywhere culture. Right. So completely remote, not just because previously you had to, you're saying move as we move forward, this is the strategy. Right. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you came to that decision. What's your experience been? How has that impacted the culture? How has that impacted your hiring process? I'd love to hear with you hear a little more about that, too. So let me start this answer with the disclaimer, which is that I've got a very strong point of view on this. 
It's okay. not everyone's taste, but I'll give it to you straight. Um, you're right. We did decide early in the pandemic, March or April of 2020, that we were going work from anywhere forever, not just until COVID was done. And we closed 11 or 12 separate offices that we had all around the country. It's been phenomenally positive for us. And some of that may have something to do with our unique circumstances, which I'll talk about in a moment. But some of it also, I think, really has lessons for businesses operating now, regardless of who you are. So for us, one of the big deals was, as you mentioned earlier, we'd grown a lot through acquisition. And so we had a terrific culture in Nashville and a different terrific culture in Bend, Oregon and a different terrific culture in Pittsburgh. And there really wasn't a culture. There were a bunch of cultures that sort of coexisted and people had good relationships in their local offices. But that was a long way from having a true cross-company culture. And what we've learned, among other things, is that it's much easier to create a unified culture that really spans the company in a work-from-anywhere environment. Now, the other thing that we've learned is that closing the offices is the beginning. It's not the end. And the key word, again, here is being intentional about it. So our question was really, okay, so if we're doing away with all that informal connection, what are we going to replace it with? And you have to be much more intentional. So we have regular monthly calls where I talk to people about anything they want. We have a Slack channel that's called Ask Josh Anything. We have a yearly event that's called Connect that is a combination of a corporate award show and a TED Talk and an Oprah uh, show. I mean, people are talking about professional stuff, but they're talking about personal stuff as well. We had a woman who stood up last year in our collections group and talked about her struggles with addiction and prostitution and how she's made her way out of that up to who she is today. And that was incredibly inspiring. And it really crosses the borders of work and home. And that, to me, is a little bit the essence of this. When you're on a call and somebody's cat steps on their keyboard or their kid shows up and starts yelling, you are dealing with the full person. And I really strongly believe that that's what employees want. I think that's what we all want, is to sort of be a more fuller human at work. And work from home through all of these mechanisms enables people to be more fully who they are. And that creates a level of connection that we never had when we were in 11 or 12 or 13 offices. So if there's a challenge with it, because I don't want to sound too Pollyanna-ish, I'm still wrestling with the question of how do you bring people who are just entering the workforce into that environment? You know, younger people, first job, how do they get acclimatized to the situation? And I haven't fully worked that one out, but when I look at the benefits, man, they're extraordinary. And you mentioned hiring, so I should probably say a word about that. 
when I look at our lists every week of who we've hired, I'm blown away. It is every part of the U.S. It's Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's Buffalo, New York. It's Tallahassee, Florida. You know, it's Pierre, South Dakota. It's extraordinary. And I often ask myself, how would we get these people if we still lived in an office-based universe? We wouldn't. And so the ability to hire nationally, I think is a tremendous advantage when you shift to work from anywhere. So as you can tell, I got some passion about this. I could drone on, but it's really doing powerful things for our company. Yeah, that's, that's great, Josh. I, I can picking up on the passion, which you know, one of the things you said about kind of humanizing the workplace, right? And and when you're at home and, you know, the dog starts barking and the kids, run, all of those things, it's you get to be your true self, right? And I think that that creates a level, level of authentic connection, which we all want and, and, and value. The other, the other thing that you shared, you know, is just being able to attract talent from anywhere. There's no geographic boundary that kind of says, you know, hey, that, you know, we're not able to bring on folks that would be a great fit to our team just because they're in a different location. So, um, and we've experienced that too um, within our team. But one of the things that I wanted to just touch on or get a little bit more feedback from what you shared is the related to the hiring, but, but some of the younger employees maybe that so that's just a challenge it sounds like or or in terms of them working fully remote because they haven't come from the office environment so just maybe touch on that a little bit more yeah what that's about is i've talked to both within our company and just other folks i've i've met when you're you know 22 years old and you're right out of school and this is your first job, the idea of going into the office is, is kind of exciting, right? Or can be. It can become a place where your social life gets created if you're in a new city, for example. And you don't have the network and the infrastructure at work that you maybe had in school. And so how do you create that for people? And, and we've started to do things that are called employee resource groups, and they're basically affinity groups for things that people are interested in. We have a working with moms one, we have a Black Lives Matter one, we have a sort of table games one, we have one relating to pets. And, and so it's trying to create connections, not just based on what people are working on, but based on things that they're interested in generally. Way of connecting people, even people who are new to the organization, there's a way for them to find an affinity group. Now, I don't think that's everything. It's not the be all end all. So I definitely put this one in the box of deserves further study for us to really be good at bringing people on right out of school. It sounds like it goes back to your your point about being intentional, right? And continuing to figure out how do you create connection um, across the team? Yeah, so. very much so. I think the mistake that people can make with work from anywhere, the big mistake is, oh, we're work from anywhere. We don't have offices anymore. Keep doing everything you've always done. That is not, you, you have to really realize you're in a different environment. And you've got to adapt and be intentional about adapting. And if you do that, I think the opportunities are limitless. Yeah, I appreciate your, your insights on that. 
So I'll, we'll, we'll wrap up and I'll kind of bring together uh, two questions in one. The first is what a lot of people are talking about right now, the buzzword, the great resignation. Okay, so I want to hear your perspective. Is this something that's impacting net health right now? If so, you know, how have you and your team navigated this? You know, again, positive, negative, everything in between. And then, you know, what what practical pieces of advice would you give other leaders, other CEOs, other other leaders who are navigating some of these same things, maybe based on the experience that, that you've had? Sure. So on the great resignation thing, yes, it affects us just like it affects anyone. If you find a CEO who says otherwise, that is a person who is lying. So yeah, we've had more turnover. Ours, our voluntary turnover is about 18% annually, which I am told is about three or five points better than sort of national average, but it's absolutely an issue and it is for everyone. And here's a couple of things that we're trying to do about it. Number one, we've doubled or maybe even tripled down on leadership training, because as much as you might have a terrific CEO or a terrific leader of a group, it's a little bit like people fighting in a war. You fight for the person in the foxhole with you. And so if your manager is not a good manager, your experience is not going to be good. There's very little that can be done other than making that manager better. And it's really clear to us that in the software business, there's not a lot of management training that goes on. And so we've launched very aggressive initiatives for new managers, for more advanced managers, all led by our head of HR, who's a real specialist in organizational development. And it's really making a difference. It's all voluntary. And people show up in great numbers. And we're hoping that by creating better leaders, we'll create stickier bonds. The other thing that we've done is really, really focus on enabling promotion from within. Our open roles get filled internally. And we've got people who've gone from making 50 grand a year to making 150 grand a year in just a few years because they really moved up in the organization. So we do that and we publicize it. We make it known that this is a place where there is a real career path. And part of that, honestly, is hoping people stay because there's more opportunity for them going forward. On the last bit of your question, I think I'll keep it simple. It sort of boils down to this. I listen to some of the bleeding that goes on from big CEOs at big established companies at big New York financial institutions. And it's all about, well, we can't possibly do this because we have an apprenticeship culture. And, you know, my answer to that is really blah, blah, blah. Let's awaken to the fact that it's a new world. And not embracing remote work is insane. And it's really about getting yourself through that journey as a leader, because it's probably different than what your experience was coming up, certainly was for me. But you've got to make that mental shift, or it's never going to work. And if you don't, I think you're a dinosaur. And I think you're going to get left behind. And so I really think that mindset change at the most senior levels is the fundamental building block on which the rest of this can flourish. That's great, Josh. Like I said, when we opened up here, I have a ton of respect for you as a leader and, and, you know, you've, you've experienced these things, right? Continuing to navigate these things. And 
I just really appreciate you being willing to carve out time and share some of your insights um, that can, but the, the goal is to help other leaders, right? And, and we're all in this together and, and we wanna make a positive impact on the world. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share some of these lessons learned. So thank you very much. My pleasure, great to be with you. That wraps up another edition of The Great Retention. Thank you for joining us and being a leader who genuinely cares about recognizing and empowering the everyday hero and the team members around you. We are proud to support your leadership journey and grateful for your support of this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. This helps us get this content in front of more aspiring people first business leaders. If you'd like more perspectives on how to create exceptional cultures around award-winning talent, go to coolleaf.com and sign up for our newsletter to get them straight into your inbox two times per month. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. Now go be people first leaders by celebrating and connecting your people today. HR professionals, thanks for listening. As promised, this episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. To claim your SHRM credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM. To claim your HRCI credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI. Complete the three-question form to receive your certification code. That's coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM and coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI.